1: Pete asks, if you could go back in time and witness any three events in the history of the world in person, what would they be? Oh, my gosh. uh, I would say. Well, two of them are going to be kind of the same person, so it's maybe a bit. I don't know. I would say. I would want to go look, okay. So I'm, I'm a Christian. So two of these are going to be ones that I've always in my head, I would love to have seen. So number one is, uh, one of the sermons that Jesus had Where obviously the sermons were powerful, but then also the feeding of people that, that, you know, with the limited things, the, some of the miracles he did would have been pretty cool to see. And then the resurrection, I would have loved to see seen a resurrected Christ, obviously a, a resurrected Jesus or Yeshua would have actually been his name. So I think that would have been, uh, fascinating to see and then the other one is more united states of america i would have loved to have been there for the first time the declaration of independence was read out loud that would have been something that would have been pretty cool to see sports wise if i could see in person you know i to me i i would have loved to have been to a super bowl that john elway played in that'd have been pretty cool so i would have loved to have been at the super bowl would it be 32 right where they beat the um beat the Packers or in 33 or Super Bowl 33 where they beat the 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 um the Falcons because at least then I could have said hey I watched John Elway's last game because here's the depressing thing about it. I was a big Broncos fan big John Elway fan but the only game I ever saw him play in person they lost it was a Monday night game against the Dolphins in 1997 the year that they won their first Super Bowl um, now they ended up blowing the Dolphins out in the playoffs later that year but they lost that particular game, which was kind of sad and depressing. So I would have liked to seen one of those as a sports event. And, you know, I was also, I would have loved to seen Larry bird. You know, I would have loved to seen. Okay. So since I would want to see one that the Celtics actually won, I would have loved to seen a game in 1984, a a finals game. Actually, I'll just tell you exactly which game it it is. So I'll, I'll tell you, uh so yeah I'll tell you exactly which game I would have liked to have gone to and and uh, so just give me a second to to pull this up. So it had been one of the 1984 games between the Lakers and Celtics. So uh, I would have liked to have seen it was game 2 is what it was. It was the overtime game where the Celtics won 124 to 121. That's a game I would have liked to have seen. And of course the Celtics ended up winning uh, the championship that year, four games to three. So that would have been a cool thing to see. So 1984 finals, and then, um, yeah, watching the Reds being at one of the Reds games, game one of the 1990 World Series. That'd be the other one uh, where Eric Davis hits the home run. Jose Rio just mows down the A's. That would have been another sports event I thought would have been really cool to be at. Yeah, and then you know Notre Dame wise, I would love to have been at the 1988 Notre Dame Miami game. That would that would be the one for me that I'd want to go to. So good questions, Pete. But those would be uh. So, so I gave you some, some life world ones, and then I gave you some, some sports ones. So there, there you go.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, let's go to here from Andrew Hoffman. What are your favorite uh, non-football podcasts, if any? If you had uh, time to do another podcast, what would it be about? Oh, this is a good one, Andrew. So um, I've actually thought about this. So the only other podcast I listen to is uh, a guy named Steve Dace is the only other one that I listen to. I I would love to listen. I want to find some people have given me some like true crime suggestions. I need to find some true crime ones. I, I would listen to that. I enjoy those type of things. A history podcast I would listen to. Uh, but Steve Dace is the only one that I have really timeless to, to now. Cause I, I can kind of put it on while I'm on the lawn or I'm, I'm getting some work done having in the background and it's a political podcast, but if I had time to, if I could do another podcast, obviously people that know me know I love talking politics. So I would of course love to do a political show, but the other one is I would love to do, um, I've thought about doing one of two things, obviously like a show where I'm talking about, like, you see these guys giving gun reviews, so like they, they get companies will send them new guns and they'll shoot them and test them and all that. That'd be kind of fun. But you know what I think I'd like to do? And I think Ryan, cause Ryan's back, he's pulling up questions. I think he'd la- he'd laugh. He's going to laugh at me for this one, but I would really like to do a cooking show. Cause I love to cook. You know what I mean? So if I was going to do another podcast, I would do one where I just like, okay, here's the different foods I like. We're going to make it and just do that whole process because I, I really enjoy to cook, to cook. And so I think I would, I would really very much enjoy having a cooking show. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, that'd be a, be a good one. Be good one. S Rauer, I think is what it is. So um, it says how much of a poor, of poor safety recruiting would you put on O'Leary and how much would you put in, on the situation? Seems like we were in a good position with Nwangpa and Bowen before some unfortunate events. I don't think the Bowen wasn't an unfortunate event. Part two is if it were hypothetically were to land Nwankpa and Bowen, how would you feel about O'Leary's recruiter? Well, clearly if he got results, you'd f- I mean, look, the feeling of a coach is based on the results, or it should be. If you're evaluating a guy because you don't like him for whatever other reason, that's fine. That's you, you do you. But your your support of a coach should be off the results. If the results were different, if he would have got Xavier Nwangpa, if he would have got Peyton Bowen, then clearly we're having a different conversation. Because if you get Nwangpa, and and bowen and Schuler and minich and bronte johnson and Erlacher. i'm good with taking tabron benny powell because you clearly saw something that you liked and it wasn't a reach because you're loaded there i'm cool with it so of course you'd have a different opinion if he got those guys because uh you know the the, the reality is the results would be he's getting the job done but he didn't get those guys and so you can say well it's circumstances and all that kind of stuff but here's the deal you went from Xavier Nwank, but maybe in the class, to no one. You got no one at safety in that class. Jaden Bellamy might have played safety, but they were going to convert him from another position, and I don't believe Chris O'Leary was his primary recruiter. And, and then last year's class, I mean, look, you can say he lost this guy, that guy, the other guy, but it's your job to not lose those guys. It's your job to know that something happened during Xavier's visit and to fix it and smooth it over before he goes a month and lets that emotion boils up. That's your job as a coach. And so, yes, circumstances happen, but you've got to be on top of those circumstances. You've got to say, hey, look, this kid's telling me one thing, but his actions for the last three months have been completely opposite. we got to be prepared to have another answer. And that's your job. And, you know, they weren't able to do it. And so that's why the results, the the, the criticism is there. Because, like, if you notice, I, I haven't criticized Al Washington as much lately. Why? It's not because I like him better. It's not because he and I had a talk and had a heart-to-heart, and, and I'm not going to criticize him anymore because we didn't do that. I've never talked to the guy. It's because he went out and got Cole Mullins, and he went out and got Lo- Logan Thomas. And I think those guys are outstanding players, and those were not easy recruitments to get. And so I'm like, hey, great job. The results are changing. Now you got to get Justin Scott to completely take it over the edge. And so – you know, I—that's I, kind of the thing for me—is I—I I need to see results, and if the results are good, then I'll praise you. If the results are bad, then I won't. And and the other thing too, and uh, to this question is, at some point in time, when when the the uh, circumstances and the situations keep happening at the same position, it's not a coincidence. That's the last part about it that we need to accept and embrace is it's not a coincidence when it keeps happening to the same position. You either have the worst luck in the world or you're part of the problem. And uh, that's kind of what I would point to on that one. I have a question from Raymond Hartman. Hey, fellas, happy Friday. Can't wait for the weekend show. Same here. Saturdays have been good to us lately. There's no doubt about that, Raymond. Thank you for the super chat, Raymond. Very, very, very much. John A1 says, last year, Notre Dame had Michael Mayer as the go-to pass catcher. Does the 23-team need an established top dog, or should it be more of a hot-hand guy game-to-game? So it's a little bit of both, John. I would encourage you to listen to the receiver podcast we did uh, on Tuesday because we dive a little bit into this. I think it's a little bit of both. I I think that you need at least a guy that can influence the defense to – like they have to defend what – you're doing and based on him they can't game plan here and leave him exposed he isn't going to influence how the defense game plans I think you need a guy like that now from the other part as far as the top dog game to game there's merit to that as well it's two different things one is this guy's play and talent forces the defense to game plan for him but you know so let's say it's uh you know Tobias Merriweather's our top dog big picture teams are defending him scheme-wise but Jaden Thomas is the guy that stepped up and made those money plays. A perfect example is Clemson 2016, right? Mike Williams was the big dog. That was the top alpha dog on that team. But who made the game-winning catch for the championship that year? It was Hunter Renfro, right? So that may change game to game. Who made the big catch earlier in that game that got a struggling Clemson offense that was down 14-0 to Bama going? It was Deion Kane Because But here's the thing. Bama was playing to stop Mike Williams. Which opened up some opportunities for Deion Kane and other players to make plays. And so it's a little bit of both, in my opinion. And because you don't have a Michael Mayer, I think you need those guys at the receiver position. So that that's kind of my answer for that one. So, so so good question on that one. Terry Gillery says, Do you think we are recruiting Cali less in Texas more because Cali kids are soft and parents don't raise their kids right in the state? Seems we were trending away from Cali besides the select flu. I don't think that has anything to do with it. No. I mean, are, are there some kids from Cali that are soft? Sure. There's kids from Ohio that are soft. There's kids from Texas that are soft. I think they're recruiting Texas more because there's more kids that fit with what they're doing. One of the toughest kids Notre Dame is recruiting in the 2023 four class, physically tough, mentally tough, is Kingston-Villiam Asa. Uh, I actually heard an interview where he said his name. It's Asa. So I've been saying it incorrectly. I apologize. But it is uh, he's a piece tough kid. They've tried to recruit Cali. I think the results are dictating it. But I think Texas tends to have more schools, more people that just fit with what Nuranium's trying to do. West Coast is just a different animal. So, no, I don't think it's because kids are soft and parents don't raise their kids right. I, I look, I, I know that I'm, you all know I'm not a fan of California. At all, I would never live there. That's a political thing. There's some safety reasons, but you know what? A state that big, there are a lot of people in that state doing it the right way. A lot of people. If it was not, if the majority of the people were not living the right way, it'd be utter anarchy. And, you know, it just would be a terrible situation. There's a lot of good parents and a lot of good kids from California coming from California. I just think that the best schools in California. it's been tough for Notre Dame to get kids out of it. It's been tough for Notre Dame to get kids out of modern day. It's been tough to get kids out of Bishop Gorman. But clearly they're still putting an emphasis in the state. They got Rico Flores last year. They got Cooper Flanagan last year. They're hoping to get Kingston this year. So the state is still important to Notre Dame. But right now, Texas is just – there's just more that fits what Notre Dame's trying to do. I think that's the reason that they're trying to recruit it more, not what you just said. Jordan Schreiber says, what was your impression of Marcus Freeman talking about the defense, understanding the scheme better and playing faster, better in year two, so you believe that to be true that it's going to show this year? Jordan, I've said this. Ryan and I have talked about this plenty of times, and we've been consistent about this for a long time. Even if Al Golden's not a good coach, the fact of the matter is there's going to be improvement, and and this is a point that I made in the article I wrote. If you look at what Notre Dame did – after the Stanford game defensively. They gave up, I think it was like 312 yards per game, something like that. If you put that over the course of the entire season, they rank like 12th in total defense. They're top 25 in yards per play. So even last year, with the issues that we all talk about, the defense was still a quality defense. Everybody's coming back. If Al Golden doesn't change a thing, it's going to be better because everybody knows the system now. And there's... and, and So plays where, you know, Cam Hart's letting a completion happen and then tackling the guy. Now with that knowledge of the defense and and I'm reacting quicker, I'm in better position instead of being lined up here, I'm lined up here. And that little difference can be the can truly in football be the difference. If you're lined up here, but you're supposed to be here, that can be the difference for a cornerback coming through the backside of a guy and making the tackle at the moment of of the completion or a guy being here and, and undercutting that route and either picking it off himself or getting a hand on it and causing the ball to go up in the air and somebody else picks it off. So those little things like that are imp- important that are why Ryan and I have said, as long as like certain players step up, that this defense has a chance to be better this year, even if you feel a, a, a negative way about Al Golden because of that experience in the system. Caleb Collins says, "How big of a drop off a special teams going to be? I don't know why we're assuming it's going to be a drop off. They may not block as many kicks, but there's plenty of areas for the special teams to improve. and And we'll find out if they will or won't. You know, you know. But it, I don't. I mean, I think it's I think it's unfair to say that. I think it's unfair to say that. We'll see. But um, I I could see them not being as disruptive with block kicks, but being better in coverage, being better in returns, and then it's a wash or even being better. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't accept that." premise. Guns and buns. If you have to pick who is Notre Dame's special teams player of the year, who are you going with? Well, I hope it's uh Spencer Schrader. That's why I hope. I always hope it's the kicker because that means he made all his kicks and he had some big, big money, big game kicks is who I, who I would think it would be. If I had to, if I had to pick like a non-specialist and I couldn't pick like Michael Vinson because he's just money every time or your kicker or punter, uh, my prediction would be Nolan Ziegler. That's my prediction for top special teams guy, because I think he's going to be on a lot of special teams and a lot of coverage units this year. So good question. Great name, by the way. That's hilarious. Yeah. Guns and buns. That's awesome. J.H.T. 1988. How should Notre Dame handle getting Minchie reps early, assuming he wins the backup role? Does Parker ensure he gets some passes or early, in early games where Notre Dame is heavily favored? No. I mean, look, I understand where you're coming from, and it's a good theory, but I'm trying to get Sam Hartman rolling first. So there's not going to be any early game opportunities for my number two quarterback. Where, where my number two quarterback is going to get opportunities, hey, let's go blow Navy out and then get him in there maybe a little bit early then. So it's 34 to three, late in the third quarter, maybe getting him in then, let him get a few completions in. Those are different things that I would do. But honestly, J.H.T., the, the key for me is getting him the work in practice. That's going to be the key. And then if you can get, because here's the deal. Uh, Kenny Minchie going five of seven in the fourth quarter of games where you're up by 30 does not prepare him for having to be the starting quarterback against Ohio State should something happen to Sam Hartman. It doesn't. It's the preparation and the week of practices that will determine that. But uh, it, it just, I would say when I have a young quarterback like that, my overall philosophy is when you get the big lead, give him a series with the starting defense offense. That's all that I ask for. And then when you do put him in with the backups, let him get some couple throws. Don't just Line up and 13 personnel and run the ball three and out every time. Let him run the offense. Let him run some RPOs. Let him run some, you know, regular pass game. I'm not taking, I'm not like throwing bombs, but let them play. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Let the kid play. It's a development opportunity for him. Uh Luke Breeding is Davis Andrews still being recruited? Absolutely. He is absolutely still being recruited. It's just he's not gonna most likely be part of the 24 class now. But, yes, Notre Dame absolutely still wants Davis Andrews. Even if he's going to go on a, on a Mormon mission, He absolutely absolutely still want him to be part of the program. Yes, they do. John A1, on Irish Breakdown, it's been discussed how wide receivers' vertical speed ability can open rush lanes for big runs. Which wide receiver groupings is the best complement to the run game at Notre Dame in 2023? That is a great question. I would say that I the, the best complement to the run game, if we're going to go 11 personnel, would be Tobias Merriweather as an X. And, and again, this is just, if I had to pick three starters, Tobias Merriweather at X, uh, Jaden Thomas at Z, at, uh, Z. Jaden Thomas at F, and Deion Colsey in the boundary at X would probably be it. You could also make a K, because that's big guys, that can also block, but also can make plays. But I think another one would be maybe putting Jaden Thomas at the X, and Chris Tyree at the at the F, so now the compliment to the run game, of so the big blockers is we're running the mess out of RPOs. So I think those would be the two, the two different potential lineups that I would go with to say that would be, would best complement the Notre Dame run game, in my opinion, because you have more big playability in that second group as well. Pete Weber says, which Notre Dame player in the past was the biggest stretch in terms of being a take as a recruit that ended up being an elite talent? Boy, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that was a stretch to take as a recruit that became elite. I think there's some some guys that were stretches as recruits that I thought became good players. I I, I didn't love Matthias Farley as a pickup. He ended up being a pretty solid player. Kyron Williams would probably be the best example of that. But I don't even think Kyron was a stretch. I, You know, it's is like obviously he was a plan B guy, but I wouldn't call him a stretch. I'd have to think about that one, Pete, or Pete Web- Mr. Weber. Uh I have to think about that one stretch. Yeah. I mean, cause low ranked doesn't equal stretch. I, I honestly don't know that I've seen a guy that was like, why are they offering that guy? That guy has no business being at Notre Dame and then boom, he goes on and he's elite. I don't know that I've seen that happen before at Notre Dame. To be honest with you. Irish mills, five, four, zero, Brian, can you touch more on the Marcus Freeman interview when you mentioned he lit up and almost cut you off and said, amen. Uh, what did that mean to you? And I told you I'm at fifteen ten excitement. Where are you? Well, that was meant to be more of a message board conversation, Irish Mills. That's why I, I didn't put it into an article. But, uh, um, well, it just meant that he's just confident in his team. I mean, he's he's really confident in the town. We've been telling you all this for a while. They may be wrong, but this Notre Dame coaching staff is very excited about the talent of their current team. Fifteen ten excitement. I'm still I'm still at an at an at an eight simply because I have a lot of work to do before fall camp starts. So I want to get some of that done. But but in all seriousness, I mean I'm I'm very excited about this team. I cannot wait to watch this team play. I, I really can. I, I'm just I'm looking forward to saying, okay, are they going to be good? Um, are they going to be good for what I want them to be? I mean, are they going to be as good as I think they can be? Are they a team that's going to go out and? and play to the level that I think they're capable of, or are they going to disappoint again? That That's kind of where, where I'm at on that. I just, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. More so, I'm excited. I'm excited. Jake Roosman, who who do you guys see being the next commit in the 25 class? I don't know who that is going to be. I could see, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I could see Owen Schriebig maybe deciding soon. I could see Rowan Byrne, maybe Cree Thomas, one of those guys deciding soon. Derek Meadows, maybe. Uh, Jerome Bettis Jr., maybe. I think those are probably off the top of my head guys that first pop in. Ryan, although anybody that I'm kind of leaving out of that conversation, you know, no, I think those are the guys we most likely think are our most likely options. So, yeah. Michael Pate asks, what is your biggest what ifs as a Notre Dame fan? Are, if Notre Dame had a competent defensive coordinator in 2015 or if Kaiser comes back in 2017, I uh, think both could have won a title. Michael Pate, I'm assuming you're very young. Uh, and for a younger person, I would agree with both of those ones. I think those would have been very interesting. But I, I would say Kaiser, Kaiser not so much for me because Kaiser wasn't a leader. And... Uh, yeah, he wasn't a leader and, and you need a leader at quarterback. I'd say for me, what if Jimmy Clausen and if we're gonna go recently, what if Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate came back in twenty ten? That'd have been a lot of fun to watch. The two biggest what ifs for me, um, uh, r- r- there's there's really three for me from my lifetime. Um what if Randy Moss show you know was able to come to Notre Dame? That's a big one. What if Pete Versich picks off that pass against Boston College or David Gordon misses the kick? That's another one for me. And then the third, this is going to be funny. What if Miami doesn't convert that third and 43? Does Notre Dame win back-to-back championships that year? I think they would have. I do. I think they would have. But uh, we'll never find out. But those are the biggest ones of, of my life. And I think the most recent, it's the Jimmy Clausen, Golden Tate. What if they come back in 2010? That would have been very interesting to see, buddy. Very interesting to see. We have a super chat from Sparkling Swan. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Twilight Zone scenario: Would you rather a Notre Dame join a conference, knowing they'd win a few national championships in the future, or b stay independent and never win a championship again? I mean, obviously, if you're going to pick one of those two, you want to win a cha- you want to win multiple championships in the future. But you know, so if I had to pick one of those, I'm going to res- respect your question. I would, I would rather pick a conference because it means you can win championships. I, I don't believe that being independent keeps them from winning championships. But if you were to tell me, hey, I have looked into the future and I've seen two alternate realities. One is they join a conference and they win multiple championships in the next 15, 20 years. The other is they stay independent and they never win another title. I mean, it's all about winning at the end of the day, you know, and um, if you were to tell me that there's no way they can win this way, then I'd say, OK, then fix it and and do what you got to do to go win. Guns and buns. Most important recruit that Brian Kelly ever landed. Boy, that is a very, very good question. I don't know if I have one guy that I can point to because they never won a title. So I don't know that I could say that. I mean, and a lot of the best players for the 2012 team were guys the inherited: Manti, Tyler Eifert. You know, maybe you could say Everett Golson because I don't know if they get to the title game in 12. If if, if Tommy Reese is the quarterback all year, to be honest with you. So I don't know that I have an answer for that one. Um, who most most important recruit at peak ever landed? I, hmm, Jalen Smith. That's one, Jalen Smith. I don't I don't know if. Yeah, Jalen Smith, he was a heck of a player. That's where I'm going to go if I had to pick one. But I don't know if there's, like, that one guy. I think, to me, most important recruit you ever land is a guy because, like, if you don't get him, you don't win a title, right? I don't think Notre Dame had that, obviously, because they didn't win a title. Uh, As a unit, the 2017 linebacker group performed really well. Does the 2023 linebacker room have greater than 50% chance of matching that group's level of play? I, I would say yes. This twenty seventeen group, you had Tavon Coney, you had Drew Tranquil at Rover, you had Niles Morgan and Greer Martini. You know, I, I think that, yeah, I think that that JD Bertrand could, could be comparable to what Tavon Coney did production wise. I don't know that they're going to use the rover as much, but I think Jack Kaiser could could make some plays. I think that, you know, whoever the will is as chance, it's I'd say sixty percent. More So I'd go over 50, yeah, I'd go over 50. Not not significantly far over 50, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd do that. I'd go over 50. Jordan Schreiber seems like there's so many more elite 25 players flocking to visit in their name compared to the past. Why do you think that is? I just think that because there's still a lot of buzz about Marcus Freeman, and I think that I've made this case bef- to a buddy of mine the other day. I said, what you have to remember is So if, if a kid is a senior is a rising senior now, he's probably what 17 years old and on average. So when Notre Dame played for the national championship in 2012, that kid was like six. So if you think about it, his entire existence of, of Notre Dame football has been with Notre Dame being a really good team. Now, You've got a head coach that a lot of kids like and want to play for. He's charismatic. He's genuine. He's a lot of different things. You've got a staff that as a whole is working much harder than the previous staff that even though there's still some issues, uh, you know, yeah, I can I can see why. I think I think it's just a hotter program right now. And that's why I've said before, this football season is huge for Notre Dame because you've got to continue making yourself an attractive place. If you go nine and four again, you lose a lot of that buzz. And I think the way that they finished last year, six out of seven wins, beating Clemson the way that they did, beating South Carolina the way that they did, To, to the earlier question that John A1 brought up about, you ended the season on a win, winning six out of seven with a win. There's a lot more momentum. I think that's it. And I think the staff, led by Chad Bowden and the director of recruiting, has done a great job of getting a lot of really good players, not just on campus to visit, but to come to camps. I think it's been huge. It's been huge. Archer452 said, did you see Josh Pate's recent video about Notre Dame's expectations for 23? It felt very fair and realistic, and he's someone who frequently defends uh, bad takes regarding Notre Dame nationally. I did not see it, but I know that he has pushed back on a lot of bad arguments about Notre Dame in the past. So I didn't see this particular one, so I, I don't I don't know what he said, so I can't really respond to it. Uh, Ryan Loftus asked if I'll go and lease for the NFL or head coaching job, does Marcus Freeman go to James Laronitis for the DC position or is Laronitis not skilled enough yet for that role? Uh, there's a lot of reasons I wouldn't do that. Number one, I don't think he's ready. I don't think just cause you play in the NFL means you're ready to become a defensive coordinator two years. Some are, I don't, I don't, I mean, what was Jim Leonard's resume like before he got the job at Wisconsin? I don't, I don't know that he was necessarily a guy that had coached for a long time. Actually, let me, let me look that up real quick. He was an assistant coach for a year at Wisconsin before, you know, getting that job. So, I mean, some guys can do it. I just, I wasn't Im- overly impressed by the job the linebackers did last year. I don't necessarily blame that at all on James Larnatis, but he's got a lot to prove, but here'd be my other concern. You hire him as your defensive coordinator. He does a great job and Ohio state's defensive coordinator job comes open and he's going to leave you for it. That'd be my concern. So no, I would never hire James Larnatis again. It's not a personal thing. I don't dislike him. I, have heard nothing but good things about him as a human being. It's just, it's very clear that Ohio State's where he wants to be. So I'm not going to have him come in and then invest in him to build my defense up, knowing that if there's any opportunity for him to leave for Ohio State, he's going to take it. I'm just not, I just can't do that. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that trust. And yeah, not out of spite or any anger. I have no ill will whatsoever towards James Arnides. You just have to be. You have to be smart about these things, right? Especially for – it'd be one thing if you're just going to hire him as a linebacker's coach. But as a de- defensive coordinator, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Connor O'Doherty, I also think that Jordan Patel has a shot to be great this year. Does he have All-American potential? I mean, if the numbers are good enough, sure. I mean, if Jordan Patel goes out this year and has, you know, 11 sacks and 15 tackles for loss and a couple big game-changing plays, sure, he could be an All-American. Sure. Absolutely. Terry Gillery, how big is Dorian Brew to the 25 class? Have we have we ever landed a cornerback of that caliber? That's not even taking into account Devin Williams. Well, number one, I mean, if you're talking about recruiting rankings, um, okay, then then I'd say it's been a while, but I would argue that Benjamin Morrison is as is good of a player as Dorian Brew is, and that's saying a lot because I think very highly of Dorian Brew, but yeah, they've landed guys like that in the past. Christian uh, Gray was ranked pretty high last year. I don't know if he was ranked quite as high as as uh, Dorian Brew is, but, of course, he's he's his recruiting process isn't over yet, so we'll see where if he goes up or down. Um, Darren Walls was a very highly ranked recruit coming out of high school. I'm actually looking up his recruiting profile right now. Uh, he was a guy that was uh, ranked 51st by Rivals, 79th by ESPN, and I know Scout had him ranked very high as well. Uh, he was a very high, highly recruited, heavily thought of player, very similar to what Dorian Brew's recruiting profile is now. Uh, he's 49th and 57th on those two those two outlets. Uh, it, uh, Rayshon McNeil, I believe, was a very highly ranked guy coming out of high school. I know he was at least a top 100 guy by some. Uh, Gary Gray was a highly ranked guy coming out of high school as well. Rayshon McNeil was ranked 43rd and 74th, and him and uh, him and um, uh, uh, Darren Walls were in the same class. So, I mean, th- that's two top 100 cornerbacks in the same class. And then Gary Gray, who was in the next year's class, was ranked 13th by ESPN and 78th by Rivals. So Notre Dame, and this is what we say, the recruiting under Charlie Weiss was a different animal. So he he was obviously, you know, th- th- those, were, those were obviously years where they got guys every bit as highly ranked as, uh, as what Dorian Brew is. So yeah, I mean, T Shepard's another one, you know, T Shepard is a, you know, as a, um, as a, you know, coming out of high school was a very highly ranked guy as well. So yeah, I'm, you know, they've had, they've had guys like that before. That, that wouldn't be anything new. Now, it, would it be impactful? Heck yes, it'd be impactful. I'm not trying to take away from how big it would be to the 25 class. It, it would be huge. I mean, because two reasons. One is he's an incredible talent. And I think he fits Notre Dame exceptionally well. Number two is, is you're going to have to beat Ohio State to get him, and that would have a big impact on. Look, if let's say if Notre Dame were to get a cornerback class next year, let's say they don't get Caleb Beasley, and they're going to take three corners next year. And they were to get Cree Thomas, Devin Williams, and Dorian Brew. I don't know how much better it could get. I mean, I, I really don't. That's a heck of a class. And here's here's what matters more, and this is what something Ryan and I talked about on Monday. It's not just about getting talented players. It's you had to beat Ohio State and Georgia for kids in their backyard to get them. What that would say for who Notre Dame is as a recruiting operation would be enormous. Now it's going to be tough because I don't know that I don't know that you're going to be able to get Dorian Brew out of Ohio. I don't know that you're going to get Devin Williams out of Georgia, but it would be huge. Absolutely huge. On top of the fact that you got really good football players.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: Next question from Nathan Milton. Super chat. Thank you, Nathan. Hardest college football players' names to pronounce correctly. Well, I've always had a hard time with DJ Uiungalale, and I still don't know if I'm saying that correctly. That's one I've always had a hard time with. Uh, we finally figured out how to pronounce Rook A Roro Row, um, is one we finally announced. But uh, I have a hard time with a lot of the um Samoan names, to be honest with you, because they're just not names I was familiar with growing up, and so like when I see Myron. Tongavaloa or Tua Tongavaloa, I see Tagovailoa, and that's apparently not how you pronounce it, so those are ones that I have a harder time with, but uh, right now it's it's DJ Lale, and his, now he's got a, he's, there's another one, Mateo is his younger brother, Mateo's now in college football, so I'm going to have to struggle with that one for a little while. I have another question from Corey Newman, what is the biggest threat to Notre Dame's independence? I would say the biggest threat to Notre Dame's independence is a scenario in which two power conferences emerge, they split off from the NCAA, and the postseason rule is you can't make the playoff if you're not in one of those two conferences. I think the, that would be the thing that would be the biggest threat to Notre Dame's independence. That's the only threat, in my opinion, to Notre Dame's independence is in, in a situation where Notre Dame is forced to go to a conference. I think if there's other scenarios in which Notre Dame may choose to do that. But as far as being forced to do it, I think that would be, would be it right there. That would be it. John A one, which interior lineman, both offense and defense, is the quickest lateral mover. Also, which is the most flexible on the field? I mean, it's to me, it's Howard Cross on defense, and I don't think that there's anybody any really close. Offensively, uh, probably Billy would probably be my answer there. So I, I yeah that'd be my answer for that one. Jordan Schreiber, why do you think we have so many other diehard fans of the other teams that listen to Irish Breakdown? Because they don't have great shows comparable. I can't imagine listening to shows for another team. I think it's, you know, from talking to them, I think it's number one, we talk football, we talk ball, right? We don't do it in an obnoxious, homery way. I think that, you know, I mean, ask Archer, why does he listen to the show? I mean, he can speak for himself these other guys, Roger Dodger, I think because whether they agree with us or not, and they often don't, it's because when we talk football, we do it as objectively as we can. So even if they, I think, I think Archer would tell you if he disagrees with me, he's not, he would say that, that at least I can make a case for why I believe what I believe it's not a Homer take per se. Uh, and we know football. We know the game. We talk the game. We're not just, you know, two fans that started a show and, you know, we, we talk ball, but we really don't know ball. I think I think that's it too. And I, I think they enjoy honest conversation. I think Antoine Jackson enjoys honest conversation. It's not because he loves Notre Dame. He loves college football on top of being – I mean, you're obviously you're a Michigan fan, Ohio State fan, an LSU fan, you know, other people like that. But I think they enjoy honest takes. And like like we've had – Frank, Frank McKittree has been on our show before, right? He's an LSU fan he knows I don't like Brian Kelly. He knows I can't, but he also knows that we've given plenty of favorable things to say about LSU because that's just the reality. I I dislike Brian Kelly enormously. I dislike most of the people that cover LSU. I think they're clowns, not all of them, but the ones that I'm aware of. But that doesn't mean that Mike Denbrock's not a great guy or a very good coach or that Matt House didn't do a good job or that this guy wasn't a good hire or that Shelton Sampson's not a stud. The film is what it is, right? I mean, so we're always going to be fair. So I can one breath say, I don't like Brian Kelly, but in the next breath say, well, he did a great job getting his team ready to go play and beat Alabama. And I'm not going to spin it as like, oh, well, he did it, because I'm going to give you an honest take. I think that's what most people care about. Look, man, it's like, I love politics. I used to love, I got hundred political books and economic books on my shelves upstairs. I can't listen to much, most politics nowadays because it's, it's such, it's like, good. You're just giving me spin. You're just regurgitating. Like when I was younger, I mean, people know my political bents right? They know that I'm a, a, a right-leaning person. Like but I stopped watching Fox news years ago. Cause it's like, I'm just getting like RNC talking points at this point in time. And I just, I want to be intellectually challenged, right? I want to, I want to listen to a left-leaning person that is giving a fair and honest take for why he believes that we should raise taxes. And then he and I can engage respectfully about why I think we should lower taxes. And it can be an honest fun debate. He's making his case. I'm making my case. But so much of it nowadays is just spin and talking points and and you know something that this president did that I hated because I didn't vote for him. And now, the guy that I voted for is doing the exact same thing. And now I love that thing. I can't stand that. I, I hate that. I want intellectual honesty. And I think when you look at this show, agree with me or not, we're consistent. We're giving you honest opinions. We're open to being changed by data. And we're not just throwing Homer takes at you, where everything Notre Dame does is awesome. You know, I can't stand that. And we get so much of that in politics and in sports. And people, I man, I just want to talk ball. I just I don't want to have all that. And that's also why we don't talk politics here either, because this is a sports channel. Y'all don't want to hear me talking about politics. I don't want to hear me talking about politics on a channel like that. I can't stand turning on a sports show and listening to politics. So I don't want to hear it. You know, so we're not gonna do that. But but we're gonna be honest with you. And I think and I think also we're welcoming too. We're not in here, oh how state fans, you all suck. Stay out of our channel. No, I point out the ones that are knuckleheads and we'll point out the ones we like. And uh, if you come in here respectfully, we're going to appreciate you. And here's another one that's big. This is a big one, too. This is from Archer, who's an Ohio State fan. He said what Brian said, first of all. But he said, the vast majority of the people in the chat, the type of community Brian and the guys have cultivated, are easy to talk to and not the crazies of the fan base. And that's big. That's a huge one for me. And and if someone's in here being disrespectful to someone of another fan who's not being disrespectful in return – We're going to say, Hey man, chill out, be more respectful. And we don't allow that kind of stuff. Some people don't like that. And if that's cool, if you, if you think you just come in this chat and act a fool, that's fine. You can think that. And then when I block you, you can go think that in somebody else's show, you know? So that's going to be a a thing too, is we're going to treat each other with a level of respect. We can disagree and disagree passionately. There's always going to be a level of respect. And, and, and I think the other thing too is guys, if you're really a fan of, of a team, you should be a fan of the sport. And I can't stand people who just aren't that. And the people that are are like-minded like me are gonna enjoy this show. That's that's what I think. All right, next question from Irish Shytown. Town. Brian, who are your football who are your football mentors and whom is responsible for your love for football in Notre Dame? So uh, my my love for Notre Dame comes from my dad. My dad was a Notre Dame fan. So when we watched college football, we watched Notre Dame. And so, of course, growing up in Northwest Ohio, mm-hmm we got a lot of early games on tv. Um, as far as my mentors in football, i've had several. i had a coach in the 7th grade and 8th grade. the first two years i played football, a guy named don hamilton. it's my middle school coach who really helped me in uh, my love for the game and he knew that i loved to study the game. and so he would challenge me on things. he would you know, he just really helped me realize like this is what this is the impact a coach can have. Uh, going into my professional career, I've said this before. Uh, and Coach Hamilton has passed away, and another coach who was impactful for me that has passed away is a guy named Mike Donnelly, who was my head coach at Muhlenberg College. Um, just a good, good, honest, decent man, incredibly smart coach. Uh, but he was someone who who understood like it's not just about winning and losing; it's about are you are you building up young men. And that was important to him. It's if you're winning without that, then you're not really winning. But he also believed that you can win on the field while also developing young men to be successful young men in life. And that was a great, great lesson for me. And and uh, and it was also a decent guy. And, uh, you know, he was one of those guys. He had plenty of opportunities to go coach at higher levels. People, you know, anyone around the program knows this. But he had younger kids. at The time that I was I knew him he had a daughter in high school and a son, I think in middle school. And his thing was, it was more important for him to be a present father than it was to be a division one football coach. And so he made that decision. And I always respected him for that. And so he, you know, there's been a lot of coaches I've learned football from that. I, I don't consider mentors because I can learn that from anybody. It's the people that I viewed as mentors are people that taught me the difference that you can make in the lives of young men not just from a football standpoint, but, you know, guys that'll look back. I, I've said this story about a a player at Muhlenberg and, and he told me about how this decision, this conversation he and I had when he was a freshman, he was thinking about transferring out of the, what he was having a tough time. He, actually he was a starter for us. He's having a tough, tough time in his degree program and he and I had a chat and apparently I encouraged him to, to stick with it, et cetera. So, well, he's a dentist now and, that and, and, you know, and he has told me that, that, uh, that conversation impacted him. I don't even honestly remember the conversation, but it, it's such an honor to be able to say that, that, you know, yes, I've been a part of a national championship team and coached all Americans and, and done all that. But those are the things that you look back on and say, that's why you do it. And that's what a coach is all about. And it was the people that mentored me and taught me those lessons that are the ones that I most appreciate and value. And if you're going to get into coaching, that needs to be at the heart of it. You can, you can care about winning football games and you should while also still prior, always prioritizing. Am I developing young men to go be successful fathers and husbands and employees or employers and make a positive impact in society? If you're doing that, that's going to have a much, much longer lasting approach than the wins. And if you don't believe me, talk to anybody that played for Lou Holtz, and they're going to have great football stories, but they will all tell you it's the impact he had on me as a man, even at times when I didn't want what he was giving me. Looking back now, I'm the man I am today because of what he did. And, and I think those are things that should always be valued when you're talking about a football coach, in my view. Archer four, five, two with Ohio state out of the Bryce Underwood race. Where would you predict he ultimately ends up? Does Notre Dame try to make a big push for him or keep pushing their chips in on deuce? They're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, I mean, look, if you can recruit him all you want, Bryce Underwood's a phenomenal player, but they're not gonna, they're not gonna get him. So I, I don't, I wouldn't, put too much. I Look, Deuce Knights may not be as good as Bryce Underwood. Now he's phenomenally talented. I have, that's not a secondary consolation prize for me. I would absolutely still be on, you know, on Deuce. And cause you're not also, cause you're not going to get Bryce Underwood. So why, why waste your time? You have to be smart in those regards. You have to, you have to allocate your resources properly in recruiting. Irish Hightown town. Uh, if you had to cover another university besides Notre Dame, which teams would it be in that would be in the discussion? Honestly, Irish high town, it would be either a Virginia school or a North Carolina school, something like UVA, um, North Carolina, something like that. And the reason it was simple, it's family because my family, um, is lives in Virginia. They live in the Virginia beach area. And if I was not going to be covering Notre Dame, I would much rather be close to home and where I could, you know, one of the things that, that, that does bum me out sometimes is, you know, I'm, I'm not able to be around my nieces and my nephew and watch them grow up the way that I would, if I was there, I mean, I see him a couple times a year and, and I try to talk to him and, and stuff, but I, it's hard to stay in contact with a 10 year old and a nine year old and a 13 year old. If you're not there, and you're not present in their lives. And you know, that, that always kind of bums me out that I'm not able to see them more because they're awesome kids. And I don't get to see my mom. I mean, I talk to my parents all the time. I have a very close relationships with my parents, but not being able to be around them is one of the bummers of this job, but there's so many other great parts of it that it makes it worth it. But if I couldn't cover Notre Dame anymore, if they disbanded the football team tomorrow and I still wanted to do this, I'd probably cover UVA, North Carolina, Duke, somebody like that. And they just live in that region. Then I could come home a lot more and, and be around my family. So um, yeah, maybe Old Dominion. I don't know if I can make enough money just covering Old Dominion. I would obviously be the easiest because I live near there. But part of me, you know, just for other personal reasons, I, I think I might rather live in North Carolina than Virginia at this point in time for reasons that have nothing to do with sports. Cajun Domer, did you think the 2012 team had a chance to win the Natty at the time? I did. I still believe the team would have beaten Ohio State or Kansas State if they weren't suspended or stumbled to Baylor. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I mean, I thought if things went right, they had a shot to beat Bama. And and I still feel like if the Manti stuff didn't happen, that would have been a much more competitive game. Would they have won? If they could have forced some turnovers. But, yeah, I, um, I thought they did, sure. But and once Baylor beat K State, that was crushing because I they had had a much better shot at being K State than Alabama. Domer Grizz asked, what is the one thing you're most concerned could keep us from winning a national championship this year? Could it be a position group, coach, circumstance, or other factor? You know, injuries is a big one. Skill players not being as good as you hope, not being able to make big plays. Those are really kind of the two that um that would fall in line for me. Yeah. So this is funny from Detroit Hunter. So, hmm, wouldn't take up my offer to be the media manager at the University of Washington. Huh? And he says, yeah, Brian and Seattle don't mix. No, buddy. <laughs> that would definitely not be the case. Me in and Seattle and Portland and, and pretty much anywhere on the West Coast uh, would probably not fit super great. So, yeah, you won't you won't be seeing me doing those ones. Oregon would be a fun team to cover, though, I think. If it, if it, if it wasn't for the fact that I, if I didn't have to live in Oregon – or at least that part of Oregon. There's some parts of Oregon that are beautiful. I've actually been out to Oregon before, Uh, but there's other parts of Oregon that would be like, nah, I'm good. Adam Shipley says, with uh, uh, Pete Pavacqua being a former player, do you see Notre Dame being more aggressive with big-time assistant coach hires? And uh, my answer would be, uh, I hope so, but I don't know that him being a a walk-on punter uh, really means that I think he's going to be this this uh, this pro football guy beyond what we've seen in the past. I, I don't I don't know that that's uh, if that equals it's going to happen. I hope it happens that way, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if that's the case. Nathan Milt with a super chat. Don't be cheap, Brian. Go to Ireland with Ryan. So Ryan's already stated he can't go to Ireland. Uh, Ryan also doesn't cover the team. If I was going to uh, that way, if I was going to fly anybody. To Ireland, it would be me and Angela, and it would probably be Sean Steyer since he's kind of my beat writer right now. So that would make a lot more sense. So it would be uh, it would be that. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, – and he says I'm obviously kidding. So I, I know, Nathan, we're all good, man. But you did do a super chat, which I thank you for, so I had to bring it up. Getting down to some of the final questions here. We got one from Levi Perez. If there were ever a circumstance that caused Notre Dame to have to join a conference, such as losing access to the playoff, what conference would you want to see Notre Dame join? Right now, the way that they are right now, it's the ACC, and it's easy. Uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, it's just a conference that geographically makes a lot of sense from a recruiting standpoint. It's a it's a conference filled with schools that, for the most part, are much more similar to Notre Dame in size and scope. Uh, an emphasis from an academic standpoint, mm-hmm. so it would be the ACC. That would, and it's not even a tough question for me. I would absolutely be part of the ACC if I had to join a conference, and and it was still a thing. So if yeah, that would be my answer. It's a good question, uh, Brian. Do you consider yourself an influencer? Um, I don't. I don't know if I consider myself. Well, I don't really think about it. I, I would hope so. Now I would hope the things that we do uh, influence people to 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 think about the game differently to to think about different topics differently to engage the game differently um so sure I mean I I I I don't know I've I really thought of it that way but uh I hope so I don't know it, but honestly though it, it's it doesn't matter what I think it matters what other people think it matters what you all think so it, it, you guys are the ones that determine that right like I can go out there and say tomorrow hey I'm I'm the I'm this Say well, okay, nobody cares. So you're not that like, you can call yourself whatever you want, but it doesn't mean you're that. Uh, So I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I just look, I I will say this. Do I want to be an influencer? It depends on what you mean by that. If you're talking about like a social media influencer, I don't care about that. Do I want to be someone that, that, that when I kneel before God, I can look back and say, you know what? Like I I brought joy to people's lives. Uh, I made people take something that they love and enjoy it. Maybe better. Uh, did I, did I live out a, a, a lifestyle that flawed as I might be that, that people still see, you know, that I, that I stress an importance of being a good husband or, you know, a Christian or things like that. I hope so. I hope I have that influence. Um, but it's just kind of comes down to being, I'm just going to, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to do things that I love and hope that there's enough people out there that enjoy it that, you know, to help us do it for a job, that, that'd be my thing. But, um. I think that's more determined by other people, more so than me. But thank you for asking. Pete Weber says, Brian, we're going to need your top recipes or what you use as rubs on your meats for the grills. I'm going to be honest with you, Pete Weber. So I don't do a lot of grilling. And, uh, you know, so I I don't, um, I have a grill. I haven't used it once this summer. I'm going to need to. But uh, honestly, when I grill, I'm, I'm like a steak. I'm just more like a salt and pepper kind of guy. I, I, have a, I got, I did get a new rub that I enjoy that I like a lot, but I actually enjoy cooking steaks inside now. Cause I have a, I have a technique and a, and a, and a, like a, 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 a way of doing it now A technique now that just really enjoy it. But, uh, I, I make really good fettuccine, chicken fettuccine Alfredo, and you can make it shrimp fettuccine Alfredo if you prefer that as well. Cause the, the meat's the easy part, but uh, and, and I make it like a, so the way that I make, cause there's two different ways you can make Alfredo like fettuccine Alfredo. Uh, one is sort of the Americanized way that I, that, and that's how I do it. So I, I take a chicken breast, I cut it up into to chunks. I put garlic salt, a little garlic powder on it, uh, put a little olive oil on the plate, heat it up and then just cook that. And then while I'm doing that, I'll start making the Alfredo sauce. And I basically just put a half a stick of butter uh depending on how much i'm making i'll put heavy whipping cream and then uh, a little bit of salt a little bit of pepper and then uh shredded parmesan cheese if you can get fresh parmesan shredded parmesan cheese like it's like finely shredded like but not like the um the stuff that you put on top of us out not that but actual like shredded parmesan uh uh parmigiano reggiano as they call it right so actual shredded parmesan cheese and then let that cook. And the, the thing I've learned that is a, a lot of recipes would say, hey, bring it to a boil, but it wouldn't. I didn't like the the consistency of it. So what I do now is I let it cook twice as long as they say. So I let it cook for about 10 minutes and it gets really, it really thickens up and you put it in there and you cook it that way. I have not done it this other way, but I've also seen it done online where people actually say you just take butter and, parmesan and you put that in the, in the noodle and then you cook it. So then once that's done, you put that with the, or the way that you put with the noodles and then add the chicken, that kind of thing. So, um, so I, uh, uh, that's, that's one that I make. I make uh, chicken parm. My wife likes my chicken parm. Now here's something I do differently for chicken parm is I don't actually cook it in the sauce because I don't like how soggy it gets. So what I do is I actually cook it. I'll bread it and then I'll put the, 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 the mots on it. And you can cook it with just shredded motts or like slice motts. Slice motts tends to be the best, but shredded motts is really good too uh, if you're getting fresh mots. But uh, so I'll cook it that way and then I'll put it on the plate and then I'll put like a little side of the, of the, of the marinara sauce, or I'll use sometimes a meat sauce and then dip it in there. So you still get the marinara, but it doesn't cook it into it because I don't love marinara, but you get a crunchier texture of your, of your chicken and the breading. And But you're still getting the marinara mixed with it. So that's how I do chicken parm. I even order that way. If I ever get it at like Olive Garden or something, I'll order it without the marinara cooked on. So those are some of my favorite ones. Um, you know, I, I make a lot of things for my wife that I don't make for myself. So I've made her a lot of different things. But I think those are things that I probably enjoy the most. I like making bread. So just making homemade bread as well. So. But I've I've changed my diet recently, so there's a lot of things that I, I like to eat that I'm just not eating as much of lately, so it's making me a little sad. But, uh, yeah, I, I said I made this the stuffed chicken the other day. That was really good. But I put a little bit too much mozzarella in there, and it overwhelmed it. So I definitely go a lot lighter on the mozzarella. A little bit of mozzarella goes a long way, man. I I think most of you that cook know that. There's no doubt about it. And I actually had someone reach out for that rub that we do for our turkey that I talked about last week. So, somebody did reach out to that. All right, let's go to the next question. And that would be from uh, Pete Weber. A genie grants you $20,000. You have to spend it on a two week vacation. You cannot save the money. Where do you go and why? I'd go back home. I'd go see my family. I don't get a chance to do that. So, if I had to go on vacation, I'd, um, yeah, I'd probably, if I had 20 grand, I'd, I'd get a nice Airbnb where we could have the dogs and go visit my family. That's probably what I'd do. If I, if I, couldn't, if you took that away and say, okay, you can't go to your family. They're out of town on a vacation too. Honestly, I'd probably get an RV and I'd probably just go sightseeing for a couple weeks, like just driving around, checking out all different parts of the country. And that'd be a lot of fun. I've always wanted to do stuff like that. Okay. Grant with a question. What kind of player do you think Matt James would have been if he did come to Notre Dame? That's a good question. I think he would have been a starter. I, I, I think he would have been a good player he was a big powerful kid I think he'd been a good player that's still a sad thing when you think about that for those who don't know Matt James signed with Brian Kelly's first class and I believe he fell off a balcony uh on spring break and passed away it's a very sad tragic situation but I think he he was a big powerful kid he was not a a great great athlete but he's a good enough athlete especially in that system I, I think he would have been like a Taylor Decker type of guy I thought he was a really good football player really good football player Trevor Rockets as Brian, who is the best player you ever played against as a player or as a coach or both? So it's between one or two guys. Uh, I always thought, like, at the time, the best guy that I ever played against was Dre Bly. So Dre was the better player in high school. Plexico Burris ended up having the better NFL career. Uh, But Dre Bly was the best guy that I ever played against. Uh, best guy I ever coached against was probably Miles Austin. I don't know if you guys remember Miles Austin, but he uh, he played at Monmouth. He played wide receiver for the Cowboys. Probably him. I, I don't think Pierre Garcon was on that Mount Union team that we coached against. That I coached against, but uh, they had a running back named Chuck Moore. who was phenomenal on that that 2001 Mount Union team. So he was, he was really good. But but Miles Austin would be my pick for best guy that I've ever I've ever coached against. So uh, Dre Bly and. Um, Plexico are the two best players I ever played against. And those were both in high school. All right. Let's, uh, I think that's going to be it, everybody. I'm just looking here. Ryan had to to leave. The power just went out. So hopefully things are okay uh, over there. But uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Uh, Seven minutes. So five o'clock, we have the uh, IB Nation Sports Talk Rapid Fire. So definitely want to go check that out. It'll be Sean, I believe, Sean and Jesse tonight. So definitely want to check that out. Folks, hit that like button for us. I would greatly appreciate that. Hit that notification bell. We are doing a show tomorrow. So uh, uh, make sure you check in to see what time that's going to be. We'll either go live at at 10 a.m. or maybe later. We will react to the uh, Bronte Johnson commitment. He's going to decide tomorrow between Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Purdue. So we'll break that down. Tons of great content coming out. Uh, lots of good stuff going on. You're definitely going to check that out. Do us a favor and sign up for the message board at boards.rshbreakdown.com. We would really greatly appreciate that. Just the community that we have here, we're trying to also build there. Even if you're not a Notre Dame fan, as long as you're respectful, I'll also demand that people be respectful to you as well. So that's certainly something you can do. And you can find that at Until So until then, however, until tomorrow, we will see you again soon. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the rapid fire with Sean and Jesse tonight. Have an awesome rest of your day. Stay safe, and we'll see you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.